and Harry, the podcast. The NFL is doing an incredible job of being patient, and everybody involved in a complicated situation is giving us information when they have it. And it's important in a world of Twitter and social media where we expect immediate answers on what's going to be next for the league, on what's next for DeMar Hamlin, on what's next for the Bills, what's next for the Bengals. It's important that we slow down. And instead of trying to get it first, we get it right. With that being said, we have new developments constantly throughout the course of the day. Doctors can confirm DeMar Hamlin is moving his hands and feet. It's uh, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We've been getting you the updates throughout the course of the day as we get more information. Doctors say, according, according to Coley Harvey, our reporter that's been covering this, doctors say it's truly too early to have the conversation about DeMar Hamlin's future in football. They do say the next big milestone they're pushing for is DeMar to breathe on his own. I have to say that because the fact that that's even a question is something we weren't sure that we'd be able to even talk about days ago. A doctor's clarifying he did not speak, but was communicating with a pen in writing. They answered DeMar, yes, you won. You wanted the game of life because he asked how the game came out. So we know at this point that he's responding to questions, that he's been able to squeeze the hand of family members, that he's moving his hands and feet. Uh, Harry, I, I, I can't even imagine a couple of days ago when we launched this show on Tuesday, we weren't sure we'd be having this conversation. Before we bring our, our guest in real quick here, I, I have to get your thoughts on this, H.D. Well, I think it's, the power of prayer means a lot. And I just think it's a remarkable situation at the moment right now because we hear the news that we actually have uh, from the doctors and saying that he's able to, you know, respond to questions, be able to grab and grip his his family members hands. That's all a sign of life. But uh, a young man who's been fighting his entire life right to provide. Uh, put his life in a different situation is now fighting right now and that fight that he probably learned early on in life is probably one of the main reasons why he's in the position he's in right now and that position that I'm talking about is the positivity that we're hearing from doctors Elena Getzenberg also reporting on this said this is her tweet doctors said that they informed Demar Hamlin what happened and he expressed surprise that two days had passed He'd been made aware of the support and that one of his first questions was if the team had won was a positive. The quote, it's not only the lights are on, but he's home. Incredible news on DeMar Hamlin as we get more information. Want to get the thoughts uh, on this and everything from the course of the weekend from ESPN NFL analyst and our close friend Mina Kimes joining us now. Mina, obviously, you know, when we, we started talking about this on Tuesday, we had no idea where we'd be. I just want your reactions to what you just heard on the latest for DeMar Hamlin. It's obviously remarkable news, and I just putting it in perspective that just a few days ago, um, I think the entire world was wondering if he was going to survive, hearing, seeing everything that happened to get here this quickly, where he's conscious and asking questions. I mean, it's just it's just remarkable, and like everyone else, I mean, I I just am amazed by the medical community in Cincinnati, what they were able to do, as well as uh, the doctors on the field. Talk to me a little bit, Mina, because you're on NFL Live every day working with former players. I've My eyes have been opened uh, just working with Harry for the last few days and hearing former players talk about how heavy this is. How do the, how do the players right now on the field even start to conceptualize playing football in your mind? I, I, I think it really starts with the Bills players. Um, you know, when, when it was happening, and I think we are all um, 
wondering, you know, what the game is going to be canceled. It seemed when we saw the reactions of the players to me, it just seemed so beyond the pale that they could go back to playing, which is something you know, we see all the time in the NFL players witness really scary injuries and they're able to compartmentalize and, and get back to, um, you know, playing at a really high level. And uh, this obviously was so different that in the moment it seemed impossible. And I don't think we can rule out how difficult it's going to be for those Bills players to take the field again, even with this good news, because when you see something like that, it's like seeing the worst nightmare, the worst possibility unfold uh, and that knowledge is obviously going to follow them onto the field and, and psychologically and mentally, it's going to be really challenging. Now, I mean, I got to ask you this, even though you're trying to move forward and push forward, um, even after hearing this great news, do you think this is something that the Buffalo Bills and that organization and those players and coaching staff can use as a motivated, motivating factor, knowing that you, you know, your brother is doing a little bit better than he was a few days ago? Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I think I'm sure that internally this means everything to those players because they don't know what it would have been like playing with that uncertainty. And there's still a lot of uncertainty. I think we need to say this, you know, like he's conscious, which is great news, but there's still a lot of questions about his long-term health and future. And I I know that's going to be lingering with the bills. And I, I think what's so crazy guys is, you know, right now there's playoff seating scenarios and possibilities being thrown out and, not only is it a question of, you know, getting back onto the field and finishing, these are meaningful games for these teams. And, and that has to be on the players' minds as well, because, um, you know, it, it's going to be really, really challenging to go into this, this weekend in particular, I think, playing at the highest level. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. We're talking to our buddy Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst. There's no easy way to actually transition to football on the field this weekend. I understand that. There's no natural way to do it either. We're going to try here, and I figure the best way I can try to ask you about anything is to ask you a Raiders question. Mina, what am I supposed to make of Jared Stidham going off Sunday while while Harry Douglas is taping me? on? Like I, he, he gets it on video as my heart is broken yet again. But Stidham played pretty well. Can I be, is there something there? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I thought that <laughs> I was really impressed by the playmaking, and I think that's part of the reason why they were he had success against the Niners in particular. That defense sometimes has as good as they are, and they're incredible in the pass rushes, outrageous, and it's the best linebacker group in the NFL. Uh, they have at times, and this is actually kind of a multiple season thing, struggled with quarterbacks who are able to make plays on the move. And you saw that also with Patrick Mahomes earlier in the season, who's like the other quarterback who shredded them. So um, I, I think that element of his game was pretty impressive and I think useful in this particular uh, matchup. But um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It was imp- I, I don't know how much it means for the future. We've seen kind of quarterbacks come in and have these like one game performances, but I'll definitely be watching with curiosity because, you know, this final game against Kansas city, it matters for, it matters for the chiefs who can lock up the one seed probably. And then it matters for the Raiders because I think after such a disappointing season, you want to close out strong. I mean, I got to ask you about your Seattle Seahawks. The last four games, they are one and three. If this team does not make the playoffs, what stopped them from doing so? Um, you know, it's it, it's the, the they've. It's funny, Isaac, because there's been talk of them expanding the playoffs, and, and then it would be just a win and in for them instead of needing the Lions to beat Detroit. 
But, um, you know, they've lost games, and I think the games that they've lost that were winnable, they lost because of just horrible lapses in run defense. I think back to the Carolina game, which is a game they probably should have won. You know, Geno Smith has had some ups and downs over the course of the season, but I, do, I don't think he's ever been the reason why they've lost, even with a couple of turnovers here and there. I do think it's been just that inability to stop the run um, and that's something that has tightened up a little bit over the last few weeks, uh, but I think is going to be uh, pretty meaningful in this in this final game against the Rams, which they have to win to even have a shot of making it in because the Rams have uh, somewhat shockingly actually gotten back to running the ball pretty well. So, Mina, when you look at the playoffs as we get ready for it, and I know we just talked about the Raiders side of the San Francisco portion of this, but Brock Purdy has played really well, right? Like Considering what what, what we expected – if the 49ers are in a situation where Jimmy G is healthy to play in the playoffs, is there any reason for them to make a change? Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. The, that'll, that'll, that will be quite the controversy. Um, no, I don't think so. I, I, I think Purdy is playing well. You know, there's a little bit of a difference in the game from Jimmy G. He, I think, is a little bit more of a playmaker. I would also say, you know, he does put the ball in harm's way a little bit. Not that Jimmy G is has been immune from untimely turnovers. Although Jimmy G's interceptions are kind of always the same. It's like always with like a, a robber and coverage over the middle of the field. Whereas Purdy, I think some of it comes from maybe taking more risks, throwing the ball and trying to make plays happen. So it's a little bit uh, more unpredictable, but no, I, I do think Purdy is playing well enough for them to win playoff games. I was just thinking actually with regards to Seattle, um, this might sound I don't know, uh, taboo or something with the Eagles obviously getting Hurts back, but I would rather play Philadelphia than San Francisco right now if I'm Seattle looking at that seven or eight seed, and I think a lot of teams would agree. Mita Kimes, as always, you are the best, my friend. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks for talking through uh, all of this with us. You make us smarty, make us better at our jobs. And uh, it's the premier week, so you got to come back and hang out with us more often. We appreciate it. I would love that anytime. Thanks, guys. Although I, I don't know, she could have been a little more positive on Stidham for me. I mean, she didn't. She, she, she didn't have to. I feel like it took, took a couple of strays there, but it, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Mina's got to be tired of the number of times that I text her. And I'm like, so what do you think? All right. As the NFL moves on, what can players do to mentally prepare for that? You'll hear from an expert from a really amazing conversation we had that I think will open some eyes about what players are dealing with this weekend that's far bigger than football. You'll hear some of it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I feel like if you surveyed every player every coach, every GM, every person right now working for an NFL team and you ask them what the right thing to do is, the answer would be whatever Buffalo thinks is the right thing to do. And I think also if it's okay to go to Buffalo and realize that right now they're not sure what the answer to that question is. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers. All you got to do is tell them to play ESPN Radio Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. And HD, like, I just keep thinking back to your reaction. Like, I've, I've known you for a long time. And I keep yep. thinking back to Tuesday and thinking about the way it hits you emotionally, watching somebody that's part of the fraternity of football players. And, and then I think about every player, every coach, every GM, every equipment manager. Like, there's a brotherhood to people that work around the NFL that's very real. 
And it seems to make sense in my mind. I want you to hear what Joe Burrow said yesterday about getting this game made up because there's a key line in here that echoes the sentiment you've said to me several times on this show and even off air. I think that would be tough, uh, just just scheduling wise. I think you know, I think whatever Buffalo would want to do would be what we would want to do as well. We're you know behind them 100% support them in in whatever they would decide to do going forward. It's like. For all the conversations we're going to have and fans are going to have this weekend about playoff seeding and what the league, uh, at the end of the day, I don't think players care what happens as long as it honors what Buffalo wants. Yeah, and I think at this moment right now, I think support, the word support mm. is the most important thing. And when I mean support, supporting DeMar Hamlin and his family, supporting the Buffalo Bills, supporting, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals, supporting T. Higgins, supporting those guys and letting them know whether you're players on other teams or your other personnel on other teams or front office people on other teams. They need you right now. Uh, everyone in this world, I think everyone involved in this tragic um, incident needs your prayers. Right. And I think the doctors, uh, mental health doctors can play a, a pivotal part in a lot of these young men's lives right now as they try to push and move forward from what they've seen on Monday night. Yeah. And, and you just mentioned two things that I want to echo support and T Higgins. And, and look like there's just this human element of T Higgins was involved in something that was way beyond his control. And he's going to step back on a football field this weekend. I cannot imagine if, if he's ready to step out on the football field this weekend. I can't imagine that. And I'll tell you, Fitz, talking to the head trainer for the Cincinnati Bengals, because I have a great relationship with him. He was my trainer when I was at Louisville. And I, the first thing I asked him, man, uh, well, the second thing I asked him was, how is T. Higgins doing? And, and he mentioned that he talked to him for a while that, uh, that night and put his arm around him and was trying to make sure he was in a good headspace. Because when you're, in, when you're involved in an incident that is as tragic as this one was, you, you know, a lot of times you can put a lot of the blame on yourself and you can carry a lot of that weight. And I want T. Higgins to know and understand that he did nothing wrong in that incident. It's just a game of football, and sometimes, uh, unfortunately, things happen uh, the, uh, and take a turn in the wrong direction that we, we might not think it actually can turn. But – you know, T. Higgins did nothing wrong in the situation, and he's a guy who's going to need a lot of support and love from a lot of other people as well because he's going to always be attached to this play because he was the one that was being tackled. And it speaks to the fact that everybody's going to handle this differently. If you've never listened to Fitz and Harry, uh, the, we're available on the podcast out on the ESPN app. I would implore you to go back and listen to the first hour podcast where we talked to Dr. T.M. Robinson Mosley, counseling psychologist and sports mental health expert. But this is what she said specifically about the way every player will cope with this and how different it can be. There has to be an individualized approach to making sure people have resources and tools and kind of practical strategies to help them. But then we also have to make sure that the organization and the, the team environment is co-creating uh, an environment where people can take care of themselves and have access uh, to resources and tools. This has to happen at the same time. So the first thing I always advise for folks to do when they don't know what to do is to listen. Because before we pull together a game plan on how we're going to provide support, how we're going to be able to help people move forward, um, we have to know exactly what they need. Uh, because if we rush to provide something without actually collecting the data, hearing what people would think is helpful, um, and then providing it, we could provide something that actually isn't helpful at all. In fact, it could be more harmful. And Harry, I keep thinking about twofold here. One, you got a player and you got players 
that are trying to figure out how to deal with this emotionally, which may be something that they've never had to deal with before, how to just come to grips with what you're feeling in that moment. may never have had to deal with that. And at the same time, you're being handed a playbook and you're being handed an expectation to be ready for a game on Sunday. I have no idea how any person would balance that. Nonetheless, the work that comes in starting Wednesday into Thursday to getting ready for another game when you're trying to figure out not even how to move forward, but how to deal with what you just lived through on Monday. Well, Fitz, I think communication, I think that's going to be very important and imperative and and has been um, since this uh, incident happened, right? I, I think from a player standpoint, and I go from some of my experiences, is that I didn't necessarily felt comfortable talking with everyone. But people that I did trust, I didn't mind talking to them and telling them things. I think it's very imperative right now that those young men don't hold anything in and find someone that they trust and has their best interest to, you know, release things that they may be holding in and balled up inside of them. I think also, um, and I think Dr. Mosley mentioned this uh, when we talked to her, uh, eating right, sleeping right, and, you know, remaining hydrated and just keeping your mental, your state in a, in a, in a, good, in a good place. And I'll say engage in physical activities. Another thing that she brought up and away from the game of football, when you get home, I understand that you want to, you know, dial into your playbook a little bit more. But what we just witnessed is real life. So sometimes step away from it. Right. Go walk around and, you know, do some things around the house that can potentially take your mind off of it. But I think she said something very key is that we got to provide a safe haven, a safe environment for these players and not just players, coaches, too, because they were on the football field and they witnessed this because a lot of times uh, in environments, we don't always listen. Right. And, and see what people may need in order for them to be safe and feel better from what they may have experienced. And I think listening and then reacting to what you're hearing from these players and these coaches is going to be very, very critical these next few weeks. Uh, and, as, you know, Jason asked us on Twitter, you can always tweet us, by the way, at Jason Fitz at H Douglas 83 said, but do the players get motivated and want to play now knowing that he asked who won when he woke up? Does that help them want to go win for him? This is that moment where, like, in in the Disney movie concept of it, sure. In the Disney movie concept of it, everybody feels this great relief, and then they all come together, and then there's this win-one-for-Hamlin moment where it, it unites everybody, and they play with this, this crazy level of emotion. Like, I understand the Disney movie aspect of that. In real life, man— you just don't know like that. That's a, you don't know how you're going to react emotionally when you step on the field the next time. You don't know how that emotion is going to pour through you. Anyone that's ever gone through something catastrophic in life, like you just don't know. And I, I have a, a, a close friend when I was touring that was in a, a awful tour, uh, tour bus accident. And it, it was almost impossible for him to get back on a tour bus for ages. I mean, he night terrors all the time. And he, he always slept on the couches in the front of the bus because he was in his bunk when, when he got into a wreck. And, like, there's no time frame for how to deal with this sort of thing, right? So I just I, I think about just asking these guys in, in the concept of we'll come together and we'll win. They see, like, I just don't think it's that simple. I, well, and I'll say this, and this is very important, too. There's no manual and no one should be telling another human being when they should be ready to, you know, get over something. The time frame and the time, time scale for each individual is different. So I don't want to hear anybody say, hey, he should, they should be over A, B, C, or D um, at this certain moment. No, we don't know that because every human being, they deal with incidents differently. There's going to be people involved in that, that game that simply choose not to step on the field. There's going to be people that are okay playing on Sunday, and there's going to be people wildly in between on that spectrum. 
And the hardest part for the Bills organization and the Bengals organization is figuring out how to honor and respect every single person and where they are in that process, even though it might be different. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. We will keep you updated on the latest with DeMar Hamlin as we are getting updates wildly throughout the show. We're getting them constantly. We will make sure you know what's going on. In the meantime, we also want to preview a huge matchup in sports tonight. We got something going on I think you're going to want to pay attention to. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The great, the incredible, the talented, the unmatchable, the wildly, incomparably amazing Jason Tatum is in action tonight against some guy named Luca. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN Series <laughs> XM Channel 80. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz, and I am just, uh, I'm stirring the you-know-what at this point. But we do, in all seriousness, we got a game tonight. I think everybody's going to have all eyes on Boston at 26-12, and 12, taking on the Mavs, 22-16. and 16. Uh, This is all about star power. Like, in a league that is giving us no defense this year and just points, 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 it's making it wild and interesting every night. I am stunned that the Celtics have been untouchably good to this level. I did not expect that coming into this season. And Harry, tonight we get star versus star. Some guy named Luca versus the immeasurably incomparable Jason Tatum. <laughs> you make me uh, sick, yeah. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, when you look at this matchup, man, I think it's uh, it's going to be one for the ages. It's yeah, this this when you look at two guys who are under 25 right now in the National Basketball Association, but the way that they play the game is just so remarkable, and you love uh, both of their mindsets. Both of them are alpha males, and I'll start with Luca, a guy who you know can play with his back to the basket, can face up, can you know beat you from the three point line, free throw line, his passing ability. But he does lack this one thing that we do call defense. If it's any hole in Luca's <laughs> game, it's being able to defend on that side of the court. Now when you look at a guy like Jason Tatum who's 6'8", heck of a wingspan, um, can beat you off the dribble, can you know shoot the fade away like we've seen Kobe and Michael Jordan do for so many years. And most of the times when he's going against the, the defenders, he can just shoot over the top of them. But he can nail it from the three-point line, a uh, hell of a free throw shooter, but a guy that can beat you individually as well as Luka. But I'm just saying Jason Tatum can do those, some of those same things. But here's the separation. Jason Tatum is more of a defensive player than Luka Doncic is. And when you look at these two teams who recently played in November, you look at the, the stat lines and Luka had 42, 8, and 9 that game and Tatum had 37, 13, and 5. Mm. And a guy that the Dallas Mavericks traded for this offseason in Christian Wood with the Houston Rockets has been phenomenal for their team this year. And then you had Spencer Dinwiddie who had a decent game, six, six for eight from the field. You look on the opposite side and you see the Boston Celtics and they have a guy named Jalen Brown, right, who hit 31 along with Jason Tatum's 37. And that's the difference when you look at the two teams, their defensive mind, but also having that Batman and Robin combination. When I look at the Dallas Mavericks, I see Batman, 
I don't know who's that Robin. Now, if you want to put Christian Wood in that spot, you could put him there. But when I mean that Robin, I mean a guy that can go out and get you 30, 40, along with your star player who you call Batman. The Boston Celtics have that in Jalen Brown, and that's what that was one of the biggest difference in the first matchup. Yeah, it's funny to me because as much as I joke about Jason Tatum, you're right. There is a level of his greatness right now that's being normalized a little, like we're not paying as much attention. These two teams, and th- this is pretty staggering from Vegas. Vegas knows everything, right? Like the over-under number on this is 232.5, which speaks to how much scoring there is right now. Like these teams put up. Uh, but when you talk about Tatum and Doncic this, this year, the fact that Tatum's averaging almost 31, Doncic's 34, that's fine. We expected that. The wild thing to me is that Doncic is averaging almost nine boards a game, Tatum eight boards a game. It speaks to usage, right? Like, we live in a pace NBA now where it's just get in, get shots up, get in, get shots up. And we saw that last night, for example, in the Milwaukee-Toronto game where you can live in a world where a seven-point lead in the last 40 seconds is no longer safe. You know, the the pace of play across the the spectrum is actually, I think, a huge win for basketball because – You and I have talked a lot about the fact that I think we just sort of, we diminish the regular season. All we want to talk about in the NBA is, well, championships are all that matters. So how do we make a regular season game interesting? Well, the answer to that is score a bunch of points and give me a bunch of stars. This game is an exact epitome of that. The one difference you mentioned, that the Mavs don't have a Robin. The crazy thing to me is even though they don't have a consistent Robin, Doncic is averaging almost nine assists a game. Like, he's facilitating. The the thing is, he's just facilitating to a bunch of guys. Like, they don't have the person that can lift you up. If Doncic has even the closest thing to an off night, they may not have that. But they do have guys that he's finding a way to facilitate. Yeah, and you you talk about the guys that he has. You talk about Tim Hardaway Jr., uh-huh. uh, Reggie Bullock, Spencer Dinwoody. I think a guy that's key for their team that's injured right now is uh, Maxi Kleber. He's a guy that's a, that's a big guy that can come in and stretch the floor a little bit, knock down the three-point uh, shot, and really get this team going in those regards. But when you look at how teams are built now in the National Basketball Association fits, and you look at the Boston Celtics, that's how everyone is trying to build their team. These long wing defenders that are two-way players. You look at Marcus Smart, who's about six four, Derek White, who's a long-rangey guy, Jalen Brown. Uh, you look at Grant Williams and how he's able to do things. Malcolm Brogdon. All those guys are two-way players and can per- compose a uh, 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 challenging um, from the defensive side can compose some challenges as we've seen in the playoffs against Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets a year ago and the year before that as well. So um, when you look at where the game is going in, in, in the NBA, it's more so these wing players, you know, transition. You look at the, uh, the, the, the Golden State Warriors and how they want to play, get out and transition. The same thing with the Boston Celtics and same thing with the Dallas Mavericks. You don't want to give a defense a chance to set up, so you want to get out and transition. You want to get easy buckets. You want to get wide open threes. And I think both of these teams has those star players in Luka and Jason Tatum to which they're going to draw the defense. So a lot of the opposed, uh, the players on their roster are going to get open looks. Yeah, the, the Celtics are going to have to play some defense. They've been kind of streaky lately. You know, they lost three yeah. straight, then they win four straight. The biggest problem I have is on the last two losses, they lose to the Nuggets. They give up 123. That's the new norm in the NBA. They lose to Oklahoma City. They gave up 150 points. Like, you give up 150 to Oklahoma City, man, you are begging for a team that's now down two straight. They've lost seven of their past 12. You give up 150 points. That's the most that Boston's allowed since 1979. I mean, it, it, that it speaks to me. It speaks something. What? 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 Do you, what? You, what? Harry's giving me a signal. What are you saying, Harry? 
I'm talking. Oh, to you were Evan. giving Evan a signal. Oh, I didn't know that. See, this is well. I like peeking behind the wall. Like Evan, Evan did you have something you wanted to share with the whole group? Did you have something you want to tell? No, them? it was just for me, Fitz. Oh, okay, that's fine. Look at that. All right, just producing and, the show. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, by the way, uh, again, 150 points to the Thunder. If that's what happened, they're going to have to come out and play committed to defense. But I think that happened. When you get stars on stars in big games, you get a different level of effort. That that much you can be sure. Of. Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance, looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits go to progressive.com slash careers and apply online today all right so as much as we're talking about that nba game there's an nfl game with so much on the line both this year and for the offseason you've got to hear about it but first you got to hear about this from harry about FanDuel. oh i'm excited the nfl wildcard weekend is almost here and the easiest way to get into the playoffs is with FanDuel, america's number one sports book New customers join today to get started with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up with the promo code PLAY. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. So don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in bonus bets win or lose with promo code PLAY. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports book partner of the NFL. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Want to get you guys caught up. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, got an announcement from Mario Hamlin, executive director of the Chasing M's Foundation. The announcement says, we're moved by the generous support for DeMar in this trying time. The support we've received is a reflection of the person DeMar is. DeMar started the Chasing M's Foundation to be used as a vehicle to give back to the people who helped him get to where he is today and to lift up the next generation of youth. The Chasing M's Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the aspirations of youth and community members through sports, education, and enrichment opportunities. With all of your help, that mission is stronger than ever before. If you're inclined to make a do- donation to the Chasing M's Foundation, please visit ChasingM'sFoundation.com. To support our first responders, please also donate to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center Trauma Center. If you're looking for other ways to support, we ask that you buy your first responders and trauma centers lunch in support of the care that DeMar has received. Again, that's from Mario Hamlin, executive director of Chasing M's Foundation, DeMar Hamlin's foundation. Uh, speaks to what some of the players in Buffalo have been uh, from Buffalo did uh, in buying meals for the first responders that have been helping uh, and the people in the trauma center that have been helping in DeMar's care. It also speaks to the fact that this foundation has now raised over $5 million uh, at this point. Uh, the, the outpouring of support has been incredible, and it also speaks to the world being able to come together sometimes, Harry, because we live in a very divide, divided world, right? Yeah, can I say this, Fitz? His father also understands that, you know, everyone involved in his son being able to be in the position that he's in right now, he want to make sure that doesn't go unnoticed. And he understands that every ounce of, of breath that everyone uh, was breathing that day that allowed his son to be in the position to, you know, you know, make it, but you know what I'm trying to say, Fitz, I can't even get it out right now. Just because I just, he's showing appreciation, man. Something that I don't think our world understands. He's showing appreciation for people taking care of his son. And he doesn't just want everyone to, you know, have all the attention 
on his family. He wants some of the attention to go on those who were uh, responding to his son not being in the manner that he, you know, normally he would be in the, and helping him out in every way possible. The care that went to DeMar Hamlin on the field in the moment from first responders, the care that he's received uh, has been at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, Trauma Center, has been absolutely incredible. And you're right. This speaks to the family saying, hey, as much as we're supporting this, support everybody that's helping DeMar right now make it through this moment. The latest that, that we've been given and we've been telling you throughout the course of this, we've heard from doctors. He is at this point in some ways responsive. He's been able to squeeze hands of family members. He's been able to respond to questions uh, in writing. Uh, we we are seeing results that we never could have expected a couple of days ago. This has been uh, nothing short of a miracle to be where we are right now. It speaks to uh, the, the people that have worked so hard uh, to, to make sure that he's cared for. Harriet also speaks, as you've men- mentioned on this show many times loudly, to the power of prayer. Uh, it speaks uh, to to the surroundings for DeBar. So this is really an incredible moment where the world's coming together uh, around this young man and really making a lasting legacy that's far bigger than football. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Uh, We're going to continue, obviously, keeping you updated. Also, want to give you a little bit of an update on one of the games this weekend that that, that matters. And uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers always has something to say. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers was discussing uh, whether or not this was his last the, this is last season, I should say, with the Packers. His answer may be interesting. I want to get your reaction to this, AC. I'm going to take some time after the season. Um, you know, I got a lot of uh, great memories here at Lambeau, and hopefully can add another one on Sunday. Do you expect that thought at all to go to your mind on Sunday? Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, just because you don't know what the future holds. But uh, when I think about that, it's nothing but gratitude. Not remorse or sadness, just gratitude for the time that I've been here, the amazing memories that I've had on this field. I've been a lot of great moments. Um, but, you know, I'm still undecided. Uh, uh, we're all undecided about the future. We're just going to enjoy uh, Sunday night and hopefully have some more to play for. That's all he should have said. Hey, I'm worried about Sunday night and getting this win and trying to get into the playoffs. All that other nonsense is. I think it was uncalled for. Like, honestly. It's like this word salad from him where he just wants to come out. No, he just, he just wants the attention, man. He, 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 I don't get it. Like, you're Aaron Rodgers. You're the back-to-back MVP. You're a Super Bowl winner. You're going to be in the Hall of Fame. It's okay just to say, you know what, me and my team right now, we're focusing on getting this win versus the Detroit Lions and moving forward to possibly getting into the playoffs. As soon as the reporter asked him about next year, I'm not, I'm not worried about next year. I'm not focused on next year. I'm focused on right now, this moment. And it's okay of, to say that. Like Our buddy Mike Golick Jr. used to always tell me when he, when he was on a roster, what he never wanted to do was do anything or say anything that made anybody else answer a question, right? Because he, he was low man on the totem pole. The answer to this question and the way he's answered it has now created more questions for absolutely yes. everybody involved. Like that, that is the exact opposite of what the football culture is supposed to be, right? 100%. And, you know, a, a ton of people tell you, especially coaches and your media people, hey, you, you know, don't don't put yourself or your team in a position where, you know, there's more ongoing questions about what could possibly be going on in the future. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers loves attention. He's not going to do that. He's going to always bring it back to him some kind of way. I mean, th- there is a moment now where every coach, every player, 
everybody around the organization is going to have to be asked at some point about what, uh, you know, is this heavy? Are you worried that this is Aaron's last game? What happens next? All questions that could have been absolutely avoided if the wildly intelligent Aaron Rodgers, seeping with sarcasm, would just simply say, you know what? I'm only worried about Sunday. Like, that's it. Uh, To Harry's point, could have been a very simple answer. Instead, he made it complicated, and there was absolutely no need to do that. We're going to continue breaking down all the action that you are going to get over the course of the weekend tomorrow, but you don't want to miss Candy and Carlin. Aaron Rodgers is going to join him. We'll see what he has to say there. Thanks for hanging out with Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio, and you can watch on the ESPN app.